1: Welcome to What's the Score? A series solely dedicated to the support of Central Florida's small business and entrepreneurs. Donated as a community
0: service by Salem Media Group. Now, here's Christopher Hart and Rich Jekyll.
1: Hello again and welcome to What's the Score, the show designed to help you come up with that winning combination for your business and execute it to perfection. And speaking of perfection, of course, we got Mr. Perfect, the award winning, the only award-winning at Score Rich Jekyll here with us today. Good to ever, see you. Ever, ever, the only award winning. Merry, right. Merry Christmas to you.
2: Well, thank you, Christopher, out of my heart.
1: And happy Hanukkah and all the other good holidays right. coming up you here. Got a sprig, happy of, New Year. sprig of, well, whatever you call it, mistletoe through your today, I see. Hi, I am Christopher Hart of the American Adversaries radio show. Once again, we want to thank you so very much for being with us. And once again, SCORE is what this show is all about and helping you come up with that winning combination for your business and enterprises out there. And uh, well, Rich, it's been a while since you gave the elevator speech, so why don't you do it today?
2: Well, I certainly will. We have about 15,000 members across the U.S. in about 380 offices And they are there to help the community that they reside in. And they help small businesses and existing businesses. They counsel. They put on seminars. They do all kinds of outreach stuff. And the um, counseling is actually the big F word. It is free. free. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is ask for
1: advice, and they got plenty to give. And it's from... The, the world of experience. You've got it. it. It ain't book learning. It's street learning. And when you call? You get a human being. A human and not a humanoid. <laughs> yeah. If you call between the you know regular office hours, Monday through Friday, at 407-420-4844. That's the number of the SCORE office here in Orlando at the National Entrepreneur Center in the Orlando Fashion Square Mall on the west end of the mall there. You can park in the parking garage, look for the vines on the wall, and you can actually even just walk in the door and say There
2: you go. The vines symbolize growth.
1: Absolutely. 407-420-4844 is the number. And if you'd like to take a look at the website, it's Orlando.score.org, Orlando.score.org. And uh, that's where you'll find out what score is up to, and they're always up to something.
2: You know, you you've stopped getting misty whenever we say where it's located, because there used to be a Sears store right oh, next door. Boy. Every time you said it's between Sears and Pennies, a little uh, tear would trickle out of the uh, bottom of your eye. There, I
1: bought many a pair of Levi's jeans in that <laughs> bet uh, you place, and tools, and bet you everything did. else. So, uh, yeah, but uh, the, of course, the Entrepreneurs Center is still there and it's going strong bigger and better than ever and as i said they always have something going on there so check out orlando.score.org and of course score is a national organization and so they also have a, a national website, which is simply SCORE.org, SCORE.org. And that's where you'll find a lot of official documentation,
2: right? Yeah, yeah right. Like uh, employment agreements, for instance, or non-compete agreements. There's are samples of that. There's are samples of your income statements and how they should look and your balance sheets, and your cash flow. And these are all templates that you can go online and fill in and then print it out for yourself. Very, very easy and self-descriptive. Absolutely. And once again, that's
1: at the national website, which is SCORE.org. Right. Now, once again, then at the uh, local website, Orlando.SCORE.org, as I said, you'll find the archive of these radio shows. That's right. right? Yep. And you'll also find whatever SCORE is up to. You can also sign up to get emails and alerts from SCORE of to upcoming events. You, If you'd like to be a volunteer at SCORE, you can begin the process right there as well. And you can see most, the
2: schedule of events. Yeah, right. most definitely. We are really hurting for financial people right now. And now bankers or accountants or something like that. As a volunteer. Uh, yeah, all of ours expired. Uh, you know, as we get older, <laughs> they had an expiration date on them. So okay. uh, we're uh, fairly low in that area. So if you're interested in coming to work for a nonprofit and you get back what you put into it, uh, come on down and see us.
1: Okay. And once again, that's at the National Entrepreneur Center. And that is where they hold all the seminars is seminars and series that they present. The biz fest is held there every year now in right. May. So get ready for that. But, uh, Rich, just give them a little sample of the flavor of things to come.
2: Yeah. We have, uh, two things that we do regularly. Number one is coffee with the leader. And it's from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. It used to cost $10, but that is being dissolved. Okay. So now it's going to be free. All right. Uh, Here's some of the uh, topics that this series covers. Uh, Improving communication skills, how to jumpstart your sales, strategies that lead to success. So not only will you be learning these types of things, but you'll have a chance to network with usually 30 or 40 people as well.
1: Yeah, that's one of the best parts about
2: all that of these is. events. Right. And so you have the coffee with the leader, you have lunch with the leader. Right, and the lunch with the leader, uh, Wednesday, December 7th, or Thursday, December 7th, which was last Thursday, is e-commerce buying and selling secrets. Marcus Alexander. And that's already done. So you don't care about that, one.
1: <laughs> but that's a sample of what they do
2: over there. And, and also Wednesday, January 24th, meet your customers where they are. All right. And they have several. They
1: have the, the basic seminars that repeat every month.
2: Sure. Here, I'm going to let you read but some of But they also
1: have like starting your new business. Right. Uh, actually, the first one that you'll want to check out if you've never uh, been associated with SCORE it would be you, your business idea, how SCORE can help. That's a free introductory course. And uh, starting your new business then would come up, then marketing your business, building your business plan, building your financial plan. All of those are $35 each. But uh, you'll be taking home, a, 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 shall we say, a cornucopia of
2: information. Yeah, a telephone and, book full.
1: Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally um, we're talking about handouts, yeah. paper, all right, uh, that you will be taking home that you can refer back to, of course, and all the knowledge that you will be able to get while you're there. And um, so it's well worth the cost. And then they also have... Uh, uh, seminars that are more seasonal, like tax oriented seminars That's coming up. Coming That's up, exactly right? right. Because it's tax season, that sort of thing. So, all of that, once again, can be found at orlando.score.org.
2: Yeah. And I'd like to mention, as a guest today, yep. we have one of the Secrets. seminar instructors. That's right. So, uh, without further ado,
1: let's get to today's guest. And she is Jessica Hugh, attorney and counselor at law. So, Jessica. Welcome to the show. We'd love to see you today. Thank you for having me on the show today. All right. Thanks for being here. Well, the first thing we always like to do is find out a little bit about the person who's on or people who are on the show with us. So, first of all, are you from this area?
3: No, I am not. I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana.
2: Nollies, Whoa, huh? Cajun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and technically, it would be Creole, because Creole. the Cajuns were southwest Louisiana, and the Creoles are in southeast Louisiana. I always the Creoles
2: okay. were Indian.
3: Well, they sort of are mixed in a blend, which is the city aspects of it, but the Cajuns actually originated from Acadiana in Canada.
2: Very good. Guess oh. who we just walked in? Yeah, we got Lucy... Plito.
4: Plito Good to see you, Lucy. Thanks. Chris, I apologize, but traffic was a bear. Yeah.
2: Right. You stopped off for a drink someplace, didn't
4: yeah. you? <laughs> I missed you. Uh, yeah.
3: The yeah. Because yeah. They said he Fifth just amendment. left. He yeah. just Fifth left. Amendment, Lucy. Fifth Amendment.
2: <laughs>
1: That's it. Um, so, Jessica, So, is that where you went to law school? Is that where you went to college and law school? Yes, yeah, so
3: I'm in New Orleans, born and raised, and I went to Loyola University. Okay. And I graduated with a degree in international business, magna cum laude, and then I went to Tulane Law
1: All right. You know what magna cum laude means there, Rich? Magna cum.
2: Lot of different language. I, for even, bitch. I can't even pronounce it. it get she's smart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> ah. uh, okay, right. she had a high grade point average. All right, well,
1: um, that leaves me out. Indeed. So, anyway, anyway, thanks. Uh, Loyola, and then did you start practicing law there in New Orleans? No,
3: actually, I did not take the Louisiana bar, I took the Florida bar examination. So, I am a Florida licensed attorney. I'm not licensed in Louisiana. Louisiana actually. Contrary to the rest of the United States, it's based on the civil law system versus the common law system. So Louisiana is based in the French and Spanish heritage, whereas the rest of the United States is based in common law, which is the English common law.
2: All right. Well, we'll maybe get into that distinction here in in a little while.
3: Absolutely. Uh, And at Tulane, we can take either program or both. So you could do comparative law. And I did take a couple of civil law classes.
1: Okay. Just to familiarize yourself with it, I guess. Well, we'll Well,
3: international business, English Spanish.
1: I got you. Yeah, international. You would encounter it. Correct. Um, So, but you you already had your heart set on coming to Florida?
3: Actually, I was in Louisiana. I have a very close-knit Asian family, and I needed a little bit more... More space than they were willing to give. Um, when it came time to go to college, I was like LSU, and they're like, "No, you're staying in New Orleans." <laughs> so I wound up in New Orleans again okay. for lo- for college. Oil
1: is not bad. Yeah, there, right? no, it's a
3: good, it's a good, Excellent solid school. education. Sure. Yeah. Jesuits are very, very popular in Louisiana, in New Orleans, particularly being very they're... highly Catholic population. Yes,
1: they might be. Yep. Yeah.
3: So when it came time to go to law school, it was okay. Yep, you stay in New Orleans again. <laughs> So I just tell them I'm studying common law. You've got three years and I'm out of here because I can't take the bar examination on a common law. Study program.
1: Uh, exactly. So that was my
3: business strategic plan.
1: I got you So, and then I take it you, when you graduated, you came here to Florida. Yes, I took did. the exam.
3: Yes, I did. I was going to stay in the Sunbelt State. So I wound up here in Florida. I moved here to Orlando, took the bar examination in Tampa, like the rest of our brethren who were taking it at that point in time, and right. thankfully passed the bar exam.
2: Well, congratulations for you. Did you but go- the worst mistake she made. Was, was moving in next door to Lucy. <laughs>
3: uh, so, technically, no. Lucy moved in across the street from me.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, I knew
4: where the smart people were, and I went <laughs> right yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. That that's right.
2: No one.
1: Uh, real quick before we have to take a break here in a minute. Did you then start your own practice or go to work at another law firm for a while?
3: Actually, I had a, I actually worked in house. I actually worked for the court systems and I actually worked for a very large law firm and then moved on to my own practice, which is where I currently am.
1: All right. And you're a partner in a law firm, I take
3: it? Yes, I am. I'm a managing, a managing member of my law firm.
1: Anderson Hugh. PLLC. P- P- P.L.L.C. All right. Um, we are coming up on a break here in just a second. But uh, if you would like to visit Jessica Hugh at her website, it's AndersonHugh.com. You spell Hugh, H-E-W, com. And uh, once we get to talking to Jessica about what she does, if it's something that you need her expertise, the phone number would be 407-545-6465. 407-545-6465. And uh, once again she has uh you were a speaker at one of the one of the events which one was it
3: yes it was a breakfast program breakfast with the leader in october
1: october what was the title of it it
3: was restriction on business practices
1: restriction on business practices okay all right well i got uh i got an idea that uh you have some information that a lot of people are going to want to hear so uh you know please stick around because we do have to take a break once again uh the uh A website to visit Jessica is AndersonHugh, H-E-W, AndersonHugh.com. The number is 407-545-6465. And we'll be right back to continue the discussion today, excuse me, with Jessica Hugh. You are listening to What's the Score. We'll be right back with more. Okay, welcome back to What's the Score? Once again, this is the show designed to help you come up with that winning combination for your business. And we've changed the winning combination in the studio. Rich had an appointment. He had to ski daddle, too. So Lucy Polito is going to take Rich's place for the rest of the show today. Right, Lucy?
4: Yes, sir.
1: All right. And uh, her across-the-street neighbor is with us today, Jessica Hugh, attorney at law of the law firm Anderson Hugh PLLC. And uh, once again, Jessica did a presentation at SCORE, and you were just, as we were, went to the break, uh, told us, and it was something about restricting trade and commerce, legally restricting trade and commerce? Yes, that what? was the
3: topic of our conversation at Breakfast with leader
1: back and, in October. Okay, and what does that entail?
3: Well, we discussed the a little bit of the Constitution and U.S. economic history, and then went into The IP, intellectual property restrictions with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, and then moved into Florida state laws with regard to how you can legally restrict trade using the Uniform Trade Secrets Act. Yes. And, you know, other options with regard to Florida statutes, as well as contractual based restrictions.
1: So this is a situation where Uh, It involves proprietary rights, I take it, of some sort?
3: Yes. Um, The the discussion that we had did not directly discuss IP. It did discuss IP in terms of a basis of information as to what do you do when you don't have IP. For example, intellectual property property. with the U.S. Patent Trademark Office. For example, patents, copyrights, those are considered intellectual property. You have to have those in theory, go through the U.S. Patent Attorney... Excuse me, let me rephrase that. With regards to patents and trademarks, you, in order to get them registered to prevent someone from infringing upon your intellectual property, that has to be through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And they have a process where they say whether or not, yes, you do have particular rights to something or not. Our topic of conversation was particularly items that would not be eligible for that, or in addition to that, how you could do a restriction on
4: trade. Just for our, our audience, could you maybe give a ex- couple of examples of what would not be uh, intellectual property, or as you just said, something that, you know, yeah. people mean. you know, you're talking very high techy type stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Because- our average consumer and the average person doesn't really understand. No, so we have to make it as simple as possible. No, absolutely. If, if not for them, at least for me.
3: Okay, okay, absolutely. Here's some good examples of what this is. When you look at a product, let's use Coca-Cola as an example, because that's one of the universal things. Right. They actually, that bottle that they use is actually a trade dress. It is registered and other people can't use it because it belongs to Coca-Cola we as an the example. Sh- the shape, the of shape of the, the bottle. Of the, bottle. Okay. the name of Coca-Cola, the logo, that would be Another item that is part of intellectual property, things of that nature. Usually you can tell if it's a trademark registration, with the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, there's an R with a circle around it. Um, things with TM on it aren't necessarily registered, but there it is a sign that there is a proper uh, property interest in it. Um Taking that one step further, there's also service marks that are related to trademarks. So, for example, if it's something involving a service versus a product, you would have a service mark, but they're interchangeably used. Patents would be, for example, um, particularly here to Florida with the citrus industry, you can get a patent on a type of plant. For example, if you develop a plant that is unique and it goes through the process and you can get a patent on a plant.
1: Okay, once again we're speaking with Jessica Hugh Anderson Hugh PLLC, uh, attorney at law. So you were discussing these things at this particular event, a breakfast Correct. event. Um so your your law firm handles these type of things. Uh and go ahead. Yes,
3: yes, we deal with a lot of litigation involving intellectual property issues. We also do drafting, for example, the items that we were discussing the true discussion at that presentation on the breakfast was really about items that did not fall within the intellectual property realm necessarily. So, for example, if you had an idea that you may not be able to patent for whatever reason or you couldn't get a trademark on it for whatever reason or a service mark on it for whatever reason, we were discussing things that are Uniform Trade Secrets Act. There's a... Federal version of it that was just enacted last year and a state version of it which is uniform throughout the, throughout the various states for the most part but basically trade secrets for example are things are processes and procedures that you may have to be protected but it may not necessarily be intellectual property for example if you have a particular list of customers and a way to of customers Um, there's recent case law that says even prospective customers could fall into that realm it's the protection of those types of issues under trade secrets we also discuss restriction on trade because as a general rule you cannot restrict trade you can't have a you but in state of florida under certain circumstances you can and that's where for example if you have a law partner or a business partner of some sort you can come to an agreement and how to prevent them from infringing upon business or other items that are that are particular to your company. Because remember, companies and people are different. They're not necessarily the same.
1: Okay, so you would handle someone who is looking to get a patent, as well as someone who's looking to enforce a patent, I take it.
3: Well, it depends on the situations in terms of patents I generally don't don't do registrations on patents, however, okay. I do do litigation involving intellectual property
1: you issues mean on the enforcement side
4: correct okay well that's that's pretty interesting now, I don't think that we have at score really managed any of those at least in my experience. We haven't had that, but you deal something also with international you say. So if somebody comes in with a product that's internationally famous in, I don't know, France or wherever, uh, how does that person start that business here? Well, it depends on the circumstances of what
3: their current Let's say status they, uh, we, is. We
4: get some ladies who come in who say, you know, I have uh, these uh, handbags and I like to promote them and, you know, and they have my name on them. Now, how would that work?
3: Well, first of all, I would suggest that they double check to make sure in the United States, because let me also go back a second in terms of intellectual property. Various countries have various laws. So it depends on if, for example, if they might have a patent in France or a trademark or a service mark in France, but it may not be eligible here. Um, there's uh, not to get too into it, but there's also first use rights um, that get involved. So, for example, if you have a first use right, but it's not necessarily registered, you might be still be able to use that product or that service under those circumstances. It really is a case-by-case specific situation, and it really depends. But to answer your question, Lucy, I would suggest that that person first check to verify whether or not there's any registrations in the United States with regard to the particular product or service. Is is that something you
4: would help the people with? Yes,
3: yes, absolutely. Usually when I have clients and startup businesses and entrepreneurs, think of that nature we usually take i usually take a holistic approach with them we have a complete interview and figure out where you are where you're going what you're doing whether it's a business that is going to be continuing here in the state of florida from somewhere else or another whether it be country or a state and then also even startups um you know we do you know draft the documentation for registration and those types of things. But we also take the position that we holistically counsel them and talk to them to find out what they need, what they want, why they want it, a little bit of strategic planning and a little bit of personal planning because most of these people who come in, they start up as a small company versus come in as a large company. Right. And and that's
4: my question because, as you know, that's what we deal with is uh, people who are just starting out or maybe uh, have a little bit of a business and want to expand it. So it's good to know that you can handle something like that so we can refer some of those folks. Yes, to you.
3: absolutely. In fact, I just did sent off a proposed operating agreement this morning for our new LLC. So, yes. Oh, okay, good. Yes.
1: Okay. Once again, uh, Jessica Hugh is her name. She's attorney at law at com is the website anyway. Anderson Hugh PLLC. What does PLLC mean? That's a professional
3: limited liability company. In the state of Florida, you can have a limited liability company to qualify as professional limited liability company. You have to actually have a professional license and be engaged in the practice of that particular license to have a PLLC designation.
1: Okay. And now when when people want to restrict trade mm-hmm. it is because they feel like their prop- proprietary rights are being infringed on I take it their intellectual property
3: yes or just trade secrets that they own or items or processes that they believe belong to them there's also no. circumstances where people um, you know train someone to do something and then don't want them to go after and compete quit and then go compete against them so So there's non-compete clauses non-compete agreements we also do non-disclosure agreements so for example if you are looking to start a business and you have an idea and you want to discuss that idea with someone or sell that idea to someone or something along those lines you would want to consider a non-disclosure agreement to ensure that that property does in fact belong to you and that what you're discussing can't be used later in time by the person to whom you're speaking or communicating with.
1: All right. And if uh, somebody, if someone wants you to stop somebody else from doing what they're doing, um, is that a lengthy and expensive process?
3: It can be if you do it on the back end. A pound of prevention is worth a pound. A penny of prevention is worth a pound of cure. A lot of times, uh, we have entrepreneurs and they come through and they understand. They're like, "Well, legal services are very expensive for the most part." And here's the evaluation that you have to consider: whether or not you want that protection on the front end and are willing to spend the money or go through the risk of having it done for example on average when you deal with patent litigation or intellectual property litigation it's usually in federal court and it's usually quite expensive on average on average last statistic that i saw was a case of about a million to a ten million dollar claim will usually be about a tenth of that in
1: cost do you have to come up with up front
3: Well, not necessarily in front, but the the point that I'm making is is that are you willing to get into some type of litigation later saying that's mine, you're saying it's mine, he's saying it's his, somebody's got to make the decision, that's one wind up in litigation. Do you want to try and prevent that on the front end or you want to take that risk and go ahead and do it on the back end? Obviously... Be doing what I do in terms of business law, I would always recommend that you take a look and do the evaluation as to whether that is risk that you are acceptable, if it's acceptable risk to you or not. And usually in most cases, it really depends on what it is, because, for example, if you have a common product that you're just maybe changing something about it or a service that is provided elsewhere, it may not be that big of a risk. But if you're coming up with the next new big thing, then the risk may be a different evaluation. Okay. And that's why we take a holistic approach to trying to determine what people need and
1: want. If you would like Jessica to help you do that, you can visit her website, AndersonHugh, H-E-W, AndersonHugh.com. Her phone number is 407-545-6465, 407-545-6465. So we'll be right back with more of What's the Score? Please stay with us and tell your friends and family as you've been doing. We really appreciate that. Okay, welcome back to What's the Score? Once again, I am Christopher Hart, and today I'm here with Lucy Polito. Rich was here earlier but had to duck out for an appointment. Uh, in the meantime, our guest today is Jessica Hugh, attorney at law at the Anderson-Hugh PLLC Law Firm right here in Orlando. And uh, once again, her phone number is 407-545-6465, com. Um and we've, pardon me, we've been talking about intellectual property and uh, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, as, as much of law is that you can get, kind of really get deep into it. Um, but obviously, you know, people who are in business, everyone has to a certain extent something they need to be to protect. Correct.
3: Yes. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business because if you don't have an idea or a service to provide who would be your customer it, or client.
1: That is something unique in correct. and of itself. So uh you're going to need some kind of advice uh, along the way and, and as uh, Jessica was saying it's it's a lot easier and cheaper to do it on the front end than on the back end when you have a problem. Um and the problems can cut both ways. They can come after you or you can have to maybe have to go after them. Uh whoever, you know, the dispute may happen to be with. Um so obviously the, the first thing that that entrepreneurs are doing when they start up should, you know, think about their name. I mean, that would be the, the starting place, wouldn't it be?
3: Yes, it would be. And usually it depends on the type of business as to what the name selection is. For example, most professional businesses would reflect the name of the person or the brand, so to speak, or what they do. Um, certain things such as I'm a lawyer we're governed by the f- licensing with the Florida Bar so we actually have restrictions on what types of names we can use so that adds
1: another layer to and it and what type of advertising you can do and correct of that absolutely, right. absolutely. Uh, that doesn't, that's not that's not in you know a part of all businesses that's you know strictly for the, the legal profession
3: yes or other licensed or, professions depending on y- their licensing yeah, board exactly
1: okay very well put yes. um so uh the first thing that they'll want to do obviously is register that name right
3: yes well i usually take a couple of things because nowadays we with our entrepreneurs and when i work with entrepreneurs i usually recommend that they also do a couple of other things in addition to checking with the florida state um, division of corporations usually you can do a name check there first but i usually don't just incorporate right then and there it really depends on a couple of other things with today's in with today's internet and online marketing online marketing sales etc i usually actually have them also check domain names because you're going to have to have internet presence One way or another, even with my profession as a lawyer, you see a profusion of legal websites because consumers now don't go to the web. They go to the to the World Wide Web, the Internet. They do not go to Yellow Pages. They go to wherever they can find it. Like, you know, sorry, you know, Google is a term now like Kleenex. Again, intellectual property issues. That's a aside, but you know, with that being said, you know, people Google these things to find service providers, just like lawyers. So, but anyway, if it, even if it's not a legal business, you need to make sure that that domain name may or may not be available. And so, I also suggest that they also check that name as well.
1: And then you can also register it at the the patent and registration office or what, what do they call it that you do? <laughs> the
3: united states patent and trademark, trademark office. office yes there, a, it, there are certain circumstances but you know um, usually you would want to register the name um, under a trademark or register a registered trademark if you're going to go that for example coca-cola it's a registered
1: trademark <laughs> right. and now that's really only good for the united states of america correct
3: yes there are some international treaties etc which gets a little bit complicated on that but each country has its own laws and certain things just similar to the united states each state having different laws to various things as i referred to earlier for example louisiana um, the united the uniform commercial code louisiana does not accept Article 2, which is sales, which the rest of the United States does. So in inter, inter, interstate commerce, that can cause a problem.
1: I
4: see. Yeah, We're we're having, uh, as you know, we have an influx of a lot of people from international, primarily Venezuelans. And there's an increase of people coming in from Venezuela that are coming to our office wanting to start a business. And so uh, what would be the best way to guide these people uh, when they come in? Because some of them come in thinking they can bring in their business from Venezuela and just open up shop and keep on going?
3: Well, it depends. And again... I usually take a holistic approach because it depends on the type of business and what type of business you have. For example, if you have a professional services business, obviously if you're not licensed in the state of Florida, you're not going to be able to operate that business. So you need to make sure you have all your governmental ducks in a row or your educational requirements all in a row to do that because just because you have a law degree in Venezuela does not necessarily mean you can sit for the Florida Bar and take the bar exam as an example or practice medicine or a dentistry or, you know, those types of things. So we usually first have to check to make sure if you're an international business coming in that you have the appropriate educational or permitting or ability to operate
4: here. It's interesting. I had a lady a couple of weeks ago who has apparently or had a very successful butcher shop, okay? Mm. And she wanted to come and she wanted to start a butcher shop kind of chain like she has or had in Venezuela. And I thought, well, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure that butcher shops are... In vogue, vogue anymore in the United States, you know, but she just she just thought that with the number of people that are coming in from Venezuela, uh, and they're used to butcher shops, that this would be a business to start. So that, that and she has a name, yes. uh, by the way, over there, and yes. that would be the name she would like to bring over yes. here.
3: Yeah. So you would, you know, we would it depends on what they would like to do. Would they like to register the name? See if we can get that established here in the United States. See whether or not they have the appropriate governmental you know, items in order to even go forward with the business or see if there's some other way. For example, um, if there's a qualifier that she can use for that, if she doesn't have the proper license, if there's a qualifier, um, but there can be restrictions for, again, and again, I'm a lawyer, so I know these back and forth, but for example, lawyers can't have business partners that are not lawyers, for example. And so, you know, those types of things you would need to verify to make sure that it is even feasible to be able to begin this journey. So that's where a lot of strategic so she
4: planning definitely needs to be referred to someone like you so that if she wants to bring her name because she's famous in Venezuela or that her butcher shop is famous over there to bring it over here with the same name. That's what she would like because everybody knows every Venezuelan knows who that brought, you know, that product or that well, that's great. Yay. <laughs> that would be fabulous.
3: She, she could have her own little um, situation here if it works out well. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that would be fabulous because, you know, growth is the whole purpose of business.
1: The, old, the idea, though, once again, is she would, in essence, be starting a new business. Correct. With, a, with already a model and name and everything, Correct. And, you know, set up. Correct. Uh, but she would have to go through the same procedures as someone starting from scratch because she would be coming here from another country. Correct. All right. Correct. And it would be pretty much the same thing as someone coming here from another state as well, wouldn't it? To, maybe to a lesser extent. To
3: a lesser extent, depending um, you know, on the circumstances and licensing, of course, and those types of items. Um, each state has different laws, so the sanitation may be different. Compliance issues may be different. Right. Um, you know, what you can or can't do. In terms of, for example, even a franchise agreement may be different as well.
1: Okay. Uh, speaking of differences in law, you you had mentioned earlier that New Orleans, that Louisiana uh, practices what you called civil law, correct? Whereas the rest of the nation practices common law, correct? Can you tell us the difference and how does that affect commerce between Louisiana and the other states, or does it?
3: Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It depends on what the situation is because the. United States Constitution provides for interstate commerce clause to allow for, you know, and that is governed on a federal level. However, within the state of Louisiana, if you're not dealing with interstate commerce, they have each state has the right to basically govern their commerce. Most states have adopted the Uniform Commercial Code, which says how what a sale is, what is not a sale, what a negotiable instrument, i.e. check is, how you do these types of things. Louisiana has not adopted all of them. For example, um in Louisiana, the Article 2, which governs sales, is not adopted by Louisiana, as in, in, in complete parts such as the rest of the United States. So it does can make some differences in things of that nature. Um, similarly, and, and an aside, for example, in probate, when you have probate issues, when someone dies and they have an estate, meaning they have assets and they have to figure out who and where these assets go, for example, mm-hmm. that's a completely different process in Louisiana. So, it's called a succession. And okay. it's not just the only difference before it it's 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 you know, probate in most states in the United States, it's successions in Louisiana.
1: Okay. That's uh, an example. But now common law comes from England, does it not? Yes and it does civil law from France.
3: Yes, from the European continent. And it's kind of interesting because the last statistics that I had seen on this indicates that most of the world operates on a civil law basis where um You know, the civil, the common law is in the minority. However, Louisiana had many flags over it, mostly French and Spanish. And that is why they pretty much are under the civil law system. It also was established way back when, if you remember your American history and Louisiana purchase and all that other fun stuff. But, um, so it was all in place. And Louisiana also, for example, still goes by parishes and not counties, parishes being established by the religious, geographical, and determination correct, not a county
1: correct me if i'm wrong but the, the civil law and the common law distinctions has to do more so with the rules correct and it does the actual laws themselves correct well, yes the, and no the, the rules of how they are implemented or pro- prosecuted
3: yes and no in, in in a common law system most of it believes on the fact that certain things are written left the legislature enacts the laws the courts actually interpret the laws right. but in louisiana they actually have a codified system as well so it's sort of like a tax code for lack of a better description a tax code for example is a codified law um, okay. There is subject to interpretation, but that therein is the main difference. Okay. There's a Louisiana statutes, but there's also a Louisiana civil code. Okay. Is it easy to start a business
4: in Louisiana?
3: I am not licensed in Louisiana, but my uh, Louisiana brethren have a lot of businesses, as does my family. Yes,
1: so. there would be.
3: Uh, We're from an immigrant, so, you know, with the immigrant experience, we've owned a couple of restaurants and laundries and things of that nature <laughs> along the way.
1: All right. We're speaking with Jessica Hugh, attorney at law with the Anderson-Hugh PLLC Law Firm. The website is Hugh, you spell Hugh, H-E-W, dot com, And uh, also the phone number is 407-545-6465, 407-545-6465. And obviously if you just have some questions, you need some counseling, she can help you with that. If you actually need to uh, engage her services, she'd be happy to do that and uh, and she'd be happy to meet with you and talk to you about that. I see also that you are a federal arbitrator and mediator, is that correct?
3: I am actually approved to mediate in the United States District Court for the Middle District of Florida. Each court establishes their own mediation list okay. and I am on the Middle District's list.
1: Well, we'll have to stop right there and get, sure. pick it up on the other side of the break. Uh, that wasn't a good idea to ask you that question with only a minute to go, but we'll pick up. On the other side with Jessica Hugh, and uh, hopefully, you too will be listening to What's the Score. And don't forget, her website is AndersonHugh.com, and the score website is Orlando.score.com. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with more of What's the Score. Okay, welcome back to What's the Score? The show designed to help you come up with that winning combination for your business. I am Christopher Hart, along with Lucy Polito from Score, and, and Jessica Hugh, attorney at law. We're here discussing proprietary rights and uh, other things that you need to keep in mind when you're starting a business. And uh, one of the reasons why we're here today is because radio is still one of the most effective ways to build name recognition and to get the word out about what you do by advertising on a radio program, maybe sponsoring a radio program, maybe having your very own radio program, and to find out how radio can work for you, please call Bill Files. He's the station manager here at Salem Media Group Orlando. It's a great set of stations here. And with four great radio stations, they can really tailor the audience to the message or the message to the audience. And uh, he can help you do that by calling him at 407-618-1760. His name's Bill Files, 407-618-1760. And believe it or not, radio is still one of the most effective ways to get your message out because every week... Almost every American, some 95% of all Americans, listen to the radio. That's right. Good old-fashioned radio. How about that? And, uh, by the way, this is the most listened-to radio format, what they call the news talk format. So if you want to take advantage of that, Call Bill, 407-618-1760. And if you want to take advantage of some great legal advice, call Jessica Hugh at 407-545-6465 or visit her at com. And they're located right in the heart of Orlando, I see here. And so... Do you do a lot of litigation? Well, let's back up for a second because you were you were telling us that you're an arbitrator and a mediator.
3: Yes. And what l- does that mean? Basically, there's a difference between arbitration and mediation. Arbitration is usually acting like a private judge, for lack of a better description. So if you've ever seen People's Court, Judge Judy, all that fun stuff, most of those are private arbitration fora, where the the people that are appearing in front of that particular judge, is it's a private court for lack of a better description.
1: And they agree to go along with whatever the arbitrator says?
3: To a certain extent, yes, depending on the contract and that type of things. A lot of construction contracts, for example, locally, have arbitration provisions or a pre-arbitration. Mediation provisions before you can go into arbitration. So it really kind of depends, but there is um, a federal statute for that as well as Florida state statute on that. Um, it's a form of alternative dispute resolution as is mediation. Mediation is a little bit different in the sense that mediation allows the parties to help make a decision and help determine the outcome of that amongst themselves with a third party neutral. So in the, those cases where I'm a mediator, I will act as a third party to try and help the parties come to a mutually agreeable resolution to whatever their problem is. That can occur before litigation is filed or after litigation is filed. And it just kind of depends on the circumstances. On mediation,
4: I think, is there a, a dollar amount?
3: No, there is not. Um, here locally in the in the Ninth Circuit, where we are here in Orlando, the circuit court judges are very pro-mediation. And so most cases in the circuit court here in the Ninth Circuit require mediation before they go to trial. And so we do a lot of those, um, you know, incidental to the litigation that's going forward. We also have them when people don't agree, they agree to try and mediate it before it gets to litigation. And then, of course, Florida statutes also has certain circumstances where they require mediation or arbitration. For example, the condominium associations usually have to go through arbitration by statute if they want to have attorney fee revision excuse me attorney fee recovery as does the homeowners associations here in florida they usually have to go through mediation in order to do that before they file a lawsuit
4: so there is no i mean i had heard that the mediation was only up to five thousand dollars and if somebody was arguing over say half a million dollars that's then goes to the court.
3: No, that's no? that's that. I, I'm i not sure where you have that information, but they do I know where have. I got that that's part. okay. They, we do mediate things under five thousand, but definitely you do mediate things over five thousand. Um, as a mediator, I have. Litigated, excuse me, mediated certain items that were of high dollar value. As a litigation attorney, I have done litigations as the representative for the people in mediation in the millions. So okay. it's 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 very varied, that's, that's but it's des- yeah, and it's designed to help people try and resolve their own issues and a little bit of self determination in mediation.
1: Okay, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a, a number you need to keep uh, just in case. Or if you want to uh, make sure that you got all your ducks in a row, so to speak, uh, you can call Jessica Hugh, attorney at law at four zero seven five four five six four six five four zero seven five four five six four six five. The Anderson Hugh law firm can you can find them at Anderson Hugh dot com. That's Anderson Hugh, H.E.W. Anderson dot com. And. So you also litigate cases in federal court, I take it?
3: Yes, I do, federal and state court. Um, It runs the gamut as to the types of cases and why they're in a particular forum versus another. Um, Obviously, um, there are certain cases that you only litigate in in federal court. There's cases that can be in federal court or state court, and there's cases that are in state court. There's a lot of variations that, that determine which court you go into and why.
1: Are most attorneys that do what you do, uh, licensed to practice in both federal and state court?
3: Yes, there are a lot of attorneys who are licensed in both. Um, usually how it works is as a member of the Florida Bar, for that is where we are, you can apply to be a member of the Northern District, the Middle District, or the Southern District of Florida. Florida. The, yeah, of Florida. And those are the federal courts. Right. And then you can also apply to be a member to appear before the 11th Circuit Court's appeal, as well as U.S. Supreme Court. And actually, I'm a member of the Middle District, the 11th Circuit and the U.S. Supreme Court.
1: Have you argued cases at the Supreme Court level yet? I have not
3: argued. I have not had the ability to argue yet of the U.S. Supreme Court or the Florida Supreme Court. But I have had Florida Supreme Court appeals previously.
1: Okay. All right. Once again, Jessica Hugh is her name. com is the website. And the 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 issue with the, as you mentioned earlier, techie stuff and all of that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are doing things, you know, in the way of gaming and uh, apps and things like that. Those are particularly people who need protection right now, aren't they?
3: Yes. I mean, everybody does
1: need some protection, but right now that's probably where the, 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 the criminals are focusing their efforts. Is that fair to say?
3: <laughs> well, I don't do criminal law, but what I will say you know is. I mean. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's very hard for law to keep up with the technology at the way that the technology is being developed and is going. And I'm going to go out on a limb and do a little plug over here for my East Orlando Chamber of Commerce because they do really good work with the, um, commerce over in the tech industry out over in the east side of town, particularly Research Park with regard to UCF being there. There's right. a great incubator there, etc. So I wanted to throw out a little throw out over there for them. But it's interesting because the last statistics that I saw is that The startup costs here in Central Florida are very low compared to the rest of the United States. And I know that from my work with the Eastern Orlando Chamber of Commerce, there are a lot of tech industries that are emerging and growing out on that side. And in particular, I want to say, I think the last statistic I saw was something along the lines of Orlando was in the top 10 for a gaming industry. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Seminole County actually has a high school magnet that that is what they do is programming and gaming.
1: And certainly, uh, a lot of these people are young people. And, you know, if if there's somebody like this in your family, folks, uh, help them be protected because, you know, they could be a future millionaire out there, billionaire, who knows, in this economy, right?
3: Yes. No, absolutely. And we have EA Sports as an example and May- is in Maitland, I believe it's Maitland. But anyway, you know, all these companies and they're moving here for a reason. And that is because that is a huge industry here locally.
1: Okay and once again Jessica can give you great counseling and advice and help you along the way all along the way I take it right from from the very start through whatever comes yes. along the way
3: yes I serve as general counsel for companies as well and so that entails from startup all the way through dissolution if that's where you're going or sale or whatever the situation may be um, you know again I represent a lot of family owned businesses and small businesses so a lot of these things take a lot of planning for succession planning as well and again going going back to the ounce prevention is worth the pounds of cure situation, is, you know, when you are planning for your, your succession is when you're incorporating. You really need to, to to think about that. And I've I've stressed that a lot to my new companies that we do and even new companies that are buying assets and things like that because you need to know what's gonna happen, especially because if you're a small company, for example, family owned company, you're the breadwinner, you're the way the reason why this company is in existent, and what happens if you die? who's going to take over that business? You want a receiver just to take over it, or you want your son or daughter who has no idea what this business or this business model is? Those things need to be thought of and planned on the front end. If you have partners, what happens if you have a partnership split? I do a lot of business divorces as well in terms of litigation.
4: Going back to the techie thing, if somebody has a new app, a new idea and an app that they've developed, they should come to you ASAP, right?
3: Absolutely. If you have a any type of item or a special item that should be protected, you need to make sure you protect yourself. And you need to make sure you do that on the front end, not on the back end. Because once the horse is out of the barn, the horse is out of the barn. <laughs> you can't put that toothpaste back in that tube.
1: You said that uh, you do a lot of small businesses and family-operated businesses. I take it then your rates are pretty reasonable? <laughs>
3: Yes, I believe they are. I usually try and charge industry rate to the extent possible.
1: Okay. All right. And once again, Jessica Hugh is who we're speaking with today. Jessica Hugh, attorney at law. Anderson Hugh PLLC is her firm. It's com. That's h e w andersonhugh.com. Her phone number, once again, is 407 545 6465. 407 545 6465. Um, just what we just have a minute or so left. Uh, with the new, uh, administration and a new view of pro business America, do you see? Uh, things positively going forward in terms of less restrictions on business and yet more protections at the same time?
3: That's a very interesting question and especially a good one to end on. But with that being said, I think that it's it's clear that the, the current administration is pro business and I think they're going to take the items to be pro business and whether it's good for you or not is also going to depend whether you're a large business or a small business. Because, you know, depending on the circumstances you know, it may be harmful or helpful to you. For example, if you're solo proprietorship, depending on your tax election... That could be a very bad thing, these tax issues, whereas if you're a large business, it could be a very good thing. It really depends on a particular person's circumstances, and that's one of the good things about what we do in the holistic approach is we have to take a look at all of that to see really a good answer to your question.
1: There you go. All right. So once again, Jessica Hugh, thanks for being with us today, and if you'd like to find out more about what she does, you can go to andersonhugh.com, or you can just call her on the phone, and you'll get her at- 407-545-6465, 407-545-6465. And uh, please don't forget, the, the SCORE website here locally is orlando.score.org. Just one last real quick question, five-second answer. Are you going to present another breakfast or lunch series in the future? I hope so, and we're looking forward to doing so if asked. All right, I got a feeling you'll be asked.
4: You will be asked. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right, <laughs> and you can find out about everything. Scores up to at Orlando.score.org, and don't forget, you can also stop in and say hello, and you might even see Lucy there that day. All right, that'll be it. Till next time. More. We'll see you later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>